What if business could be fun? This podcast is for people who no longer want work to be a four-letter word. It is a comedic look at the myths of work, life, and balance, where we expose the kind of thinking that sucks your will to live, and we replace it with powerful, easy-to-use tools so that you can shift gears and laugh about it all. The only requirement to listen is you need to be human. Happy New Year. It's our first recording in 2022. Elaine Williams is here with my fabulous and amazing co-host, Kathy Keegan. Hi, Kathy. Hey, how are you? Happy New Year. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. And hear you for our listeners. I know. Thank you. Yes, yes. Whether you're listening or watching, we're so excited. And we have this amazing, fabulous guest today. And I just want to say, you know, if you're new to us, Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Kathy and I are both coaches and we both have comedic improv backgrounds. And we wanted to create a podcast that was like pulling back the curtain to show you the ins and outs and the not so sexy stuff about starting a business, having a business, being an entrepreneur, being a coach. Oh, yeah. And being human. You know, there were so many things we wish we had known when we were in these big, fancy masterminds. And so our goal is to educate, to entertain, and to hopefully connect. Because wherever you are in your business and life, if you know that you're not alone, that can be so helpful. So that's why we started the podcast. And we have our very first male guest on today. Woo! I'm so excited. This man has spoken all over the country. He's had many successful businesses. He and I have known each other for over 11 years, and I'll just, without further ado, I want to welcome Roland Thompson. Welcome, Roland. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Elaine. This is really an honor and a privilege to be on your podcast. I've been I've been really indulged in your podcast these last few months and, and uh, really enjoyed them. There are some really good ones out there that like I can connect with. I appreciate that. I didn't oh, cool. notice that there was no guys on them, though. But now, I, now I, I'm more of aware of that. <laughs> now you're like, oh, God, what do uh, I need? And, no, I, and I, all I, the men out there and everything, I'll, I'll try to represent you the best I possibly can for our gender. You're Thank awesome. You. Thank you, Roland. No pressure. No, no pressure. Not whatsoever. So, I, you know, I wanted to have you on our show because you have this new mission and you've always been such a heartfelt guy. And you've always, you know, since I first met you in the mastermind that we were in a million years ago, I remember thinking, this guy is so cool. And then you would come see me at my restaurant in New York. And, you know, we've, we've been through some stuff. Will you tell us a little bit about your um, Hearts of the Fathers? Well, thanks for asking. Um, it's actually a calling. I got my little memory thing popped up on my Facebook that said it was four years ago yesterday that I created the, the, I guess the foundation. It was actually created as a movement. And last year I got my 501c3 status. Um, but it wasn't anything that I was actually seeking, if that makes sense. It was something that was um, I had to have a two by four alongside the head a couple of times to make me realize that it's a calling. Nope, this is what you're meant to do. And uh, the the messages that I got were so, well, I guess, so profound that for me, 
that it says, oh, okay, I, I, got, I got your message. This is what I'm supposed to be doing from up above. And so that's basically how I got started. But I mean, I go through the several little points that happened along the way that made me realize that it is a calling. But you know, just have to take my word for it. My life is dedicated to it now. You know, awesome. first of all, um, I one of the things I recognize, I recognize that tool, the two by four. I used that a lot over the years for many, many, probably more decades than I needed to. It's not in my tool book now, but um, but it is definitely one that I'm familiar with. Did you use it on oh, your husband a lot? I'm trying to figure out. No, I, I really, had... it was easier to use it on myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's how these, all of a sudden, these, I call it atoms bouncing off the top of your skull, for those that don't believe in inspiration, that... Um, that you know, it's like, oh my gosh, it is. It is like, it, it's almost the result is like almost getting hit alongside the head with a two by four. Yeah. Yes. And so and it's I was good thinking about you... going out and trying it just to compare the two. Oh, rolling down. <laughs> we do don't not try. recommend that to yeah. any of okay. our listeners. Don't try. Don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> no, but um, Roland, tell us what it is. I know it's Hearts of the Fathers. Can you just tell us a little bit about your story? Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you what my mission statement is. Maybe that might help. And what my vision statement is. So my mission statement is, is we're members of the sunset generation who are passionately invested in making the world better by empowering the rising generation to live the reason they are here. My vision is Heart of the Father's Foundation provides the tools and education needed to effectively connect the sunset generation and the rising generation, creating a world where all are inspired to work together as they live their true life's purpose. That's beautiful. Where, where it really was impacted was a few years ago, my first two-by-four was... Um, <laughs> I was, um, I was, I was going to Boston and I was going to be having lunch with, it was, I mean, it was amazing how it happened. I was on Facebook and I saw this man being honored in Boston and I thought, wow, that can't, I wonder if that's the same Captain Tom Kelly that I served with, uh, in Vietnam on my third tour. And I never did get to thank him for something really special that he did back there. And it was in 1973. Uh, and he was a Medal of Honor winner. He was being honored in Boston. And I reached out. It was so weird because I thought, well, I found this. By coincidence, I found a phone number. I mean, think about it. I'm on 3,000 miles away. And I found his phone number, called it up, and left a voicemail. And, well, later on that day, I got a call. But it happened to be at Red Robin celebrating my daughter's one of her birthdays. And our family was together. And I didn't take the call, and, which was like, oh, I just don't want to take the call because I wanted to focus on my family. And so when I came home, I was walking into the kitchen. The phone rang again. And I knew by caller ID it was him because I plugged it in my phone. And, and we talked for 45 minutes. And it was really cool because I told him, I said, you know, I'm thinking of going to, I said, I'll be going to Boston in a couple of months. Maybe we can get together for lunch. He said, oh, that'd be really great. I thought, 
what are the odds? And then I told him that one of the reasons I was going to Boston was for a conference that I was attending. But also, I was out of the blue. I'm one of these people that um, I'm a ready fire aim type person. I mm-hmm. thought, you know what? I, and I'm, I'm not afraid to ask. I've learned this a long time ago. You know, ask, ask, ask. The answer is no if you don't ask. It's already no. And I thought I was working on a book, and I thought it would be kind of cool to reach out to uh, Governor Mitt Romney to do the forward in the book. I mean, what's the, what's the odds, you know? And I've had so many yeses from asking so much over the years that I had no fear in going to ask him. And I asked Captain Kelly, I said, hey, do you know Mitt Romney? He said, well, um, well, yeah, I served in his cabinet when he was governor. And we're best friends. In fact, he moved to La Jolla, California. And I go, really? He said, oh, yeah. And he bite, writes about me in his book, No Apologies. And I thought, wow, that's cool. So, of course, I had to go buy the book, brought it with me so that Captain Kelly, he signed it for me in there. But, and I sent a note to Mitt Romney. He, he sent a nice letter back saying that he doesn't do forage in books, which I respect. But it was still... Um, that connection, and but it, the, the point was, is reading that book. Now, it was boring because I don't do politics, but I got to chapter six in that book, and this was the first two by four. And it talked about the boomer generation, talked about the, uh, it also talked about the, um, the generation before, the greatest generation. Tom Brokaw talks about the greatest generation. And But it talks about the boomer generation, which I'm part of, uh, being the worst generation. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And I looked into it, and I, and I, and I mean, I, I come to the same conclusion. And it's not our fault. It's just in, in the way things evolve in the world and stuff. And I said, I don't want to be known as the worst generation. There's got to be something I can do to make us a great generation. I don't want to leave that legacy. And that was the first aha moment. And then after that, things started realizing that, well, this rising generation are really getting, at that time they came out, time came out with the article on the uh, millennials, on the me, 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 you know? And, uh, and then I started realizing how much criticism they're getting and and, they, and how much the boomers are just sitting there criticizing these, these younger people and it's realizing that, that that's really not fair. We need, to, we need to really reach out and learn who they are. Well, then it just slowly, and I realized, that, oh my gosh, at that time, I think I had like 30 grandchildren. Today, I have 47 with number 48 later what? on this year. Yeah. My 47th grandchild, granddaughter, it was a girl, so I guess I'm a grandma. I guess that's how that works. But anyway, because she <laughs> was born one hour before midnight on December 31st. And that was, no, it was my daughter who lives near us. We all, some of my kids live right around us in a compound, we call it. And um, that was like just, you know, totally wonderful. I mean, because they've had three boys and now they get a girl. So it's kind of a great thing. But it's them. I'm thinking, these are the future leaders of the world. Yes, they and, are. And, and then I started thinking, I started looking into the, the hearing all of a sudden the thing about the suicide thing. Mm. I started researching that and realized that, 
what I found was that every day on the average in this country, 3,703 teenagers attempt suicide. Mm. And that 15 to 20% of all youth contemplate suicide. And I thought, well, that means like seven of my grandchildren are contemplating suicide. So I started really working into that part of uh, uh, that part of it. Started really started tying together and realizing, you know, what was missing there. And then the story of the bridge hit me. <laughs> that's amazing. Anyway, I I have to answer. I don't know if that's a great if that kind of gives you an idea and answers the question that you asked about the foundation. But that was just mainly the beginning of it. And why it's such a passion for me. And you know, wow. I, I, as someone who was in the, the the corporate world for many years, I never felt that you know, sort of the idea of millennials. I, I look at all these different categories with a little bit of suspicion because we created the millennials, right? We asked them to have resumes when they were twelve years old. We asked them to go and invent something in India during the summer in their junior year of uh, high school and then come back and write that up and then apply to 14 schools and get into all of them. And you're 100% right. There's so much we have to learn from each other. Right. And the idea of this sort of reverse mentoring where we're learning from younger, younger's learning from older, I just I think it's just such a beautiful idea. And they're, and really admitting that there, there's something for everybody that we can really get out of this. Well, and that's I have where I think that I'm really realizing that it's slowly in this trans transition that I'm going through and trying to make it not about me at all because I can't bring when I when I connect with them or with one of them, there's nothing that I could bring to them that I would push on them or anything, lecture or anything to them that would that would do them any good because I think there's no one as deaf as a person who doesn't want to listen. And you realize that what we need to do is put all that behind us. Because like what you were saying, Kathy, is the, um, you know, we're taking, well, here's what you got to do. We're all basing that on our own personal experiences and the way we were raised. Here's what we were. But the first 50 years of my life was without technology. And today when a child's born, they wake up and it's like cell phones have always been around. Man has always been able to fly, you know, and it, we cannot. There's no way for you to comprehend what it's like to be inside their mm. head. And so we need to be really focusing on learning everything we can about them. And when I started realizing and I started looking into this, realized with the boomers, for instance, the, the, rise, the sunset generation, one of the other things I read was that 40% of them are lonely mm. and that they're also high suicide rate. And they're more successful in carrying it out than the younger people. But I think the younger people are screaming for help. Listen mm. to me. And I, I see this happen a lot where the parents don't listen to them, don't acknowledge their, who they are. And, and so I always I came up with that and I said, you know, if we devote our life learning who they are, really learning who they are, then they will know who we are. And I had an experience with one of my grandsons, and him and I are close now. And he came to me one, one day, and I, we were on a Zoom. He was in Monterey in the Army. 
And he goes, you know, Grandpa, I don't think older people really realize how interesting their life is. But this is after I learned what I could about him. Then he started asking about me and, hey, can you tell me about this and stuff? And that was that connection. And it's so powerful. And, you know, and it just, it, I mean, it, it strikes me emotionally that the lack of connection and, and that our, our older sunset generation are so bullheaded and so, so false prideful in really getting to know who they are and letting go being humble, being patient, learning right. all these, I would call them Christ attributes, you know? And uh, that's, you know, so now my life is, you know, I'm going to be 71 this year. And I'm like, you know, I'm just this morning, I was my meditation. I started looking at my family tree and realizing that my grandparents, what age they were when they died and, you know, 80, 81, 62, you know, and those, and I'm thinking, getting close to this and I want to leave you know to me a legacy means because moi Roland Thompson walked on this planet a lot of people's lives are so much better because I was here mm. and so my life is mainly devoted to that so I got the foundation and ah uh, oh, that's beautiful Roland yeah oh it my really God. is thank you you know it makes me so happy because I think about when I, in my late teens and, and most of my 20s, I was such a mess. Granted, there had been a lot of trauma and stuff, but I was, I just lived in my head and it was such a painful place. And I, I'm sure that people tried to connect with me, but it was, you know, and, um, yeah, I mean, I just think grandparents have such an opportunity or just any old people. You know, I, I read this book by Denzel Washington that he put together, and it was all these famous people who grew up with boys and girls clubs. And they talked about how it helped to have, like, this sort of neighborhood place to go to. And so that they weren't home alone. And, and several of the people, like Colin Powell, talked about how there were ants on every corner. Like, you know, before the time we're in now, families used to like stay kind of close, right? So right. maybe they weren't all in the same house, but people could kind of keep an eye on you in the neighborhood. There were like usually some, a couple old nosy la ladies or whatever, like checking out the kids and stuff. And those days are gone, right? And so I just think, I just love this mission. And I've always thought as a, in America, we value youth so much that we, if we can learn to treasure older people which i am now one of them like it just cracks me up but i've always hung out with older people i've always had older friends well, i think i was always searching for surrogate parents myself but i just love that you're bringing more awareness to this well you know it's interesting you bring that up because when you think about when we were growing think of our data input into our brains you know G-I-G-O, right. garbage in, garbage out. Think of all our data input that we had being programmed when we were growing up. But thank God we had three channels. Yeah. We didn't have instant. <laughs> right? You know, the black. And, and, and it's like I, I never watched the news when I was growing up. I mean, that was, I mean, how I ended up, go, you know, making a decision functioning by my heart was this kind of uh, this quick little story. It was like I worked at a fast food place. My parents were 
married, divorced, married, divorced, and all this. And it was just my dad and my two brothers. But, you know, I'm a senior in high school, just graduating. I'm not going to sit around and watch the news. And I'm not going to read the newspaper. I'm going to play. I'm, I'm going to trying to go to school. I wanted to be a chef at the time. I was working as a cook in a fast food place. Had no idea what I was really going to do. Thought maybe I wanted to be a cook. And I was standing next to this lady. We were really close. And she goes, so um, what are you going to do with your life? I go, what do you mean? She goes, are you just going to live with your dad and your brother for the rest of your life? What are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea. And she goes, well, you know, my husband, he was in the Navy and he joined the Navy. And he said it really had a big impact on him and he really kind of enjoyed it. Maybe you should join the Navy. True, I'll never forget this day. And I looked at her and I said, okay. And the next day I joined the Navy. True story. Now, at the time, I wasn't following the news. This is in 69. I did watch the July 20th, the man landing on the moon on TV. But I had really no idea about the Vietnam thing. And so anyway, I ended up going, it was like first six months training and everything. And then July 70, boom, my first tour of Vietnam. And so it was kind of a, and I did three tours, but it was one of those things where it was, I look back and it's like, I wouldn't be right here today doing what I'm doing if I hadn't made that decision. And, and, and I can't regret it. I wouldn't, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful for these experiences that I've had in this life. Realizing that these are the only things I'm going to take with me in the life after this. And we're here to, we're, like I say, spiritual beings here on earth to have these human experiences so that we can help other people. Because it would take an eternity to experience all the experiences that are available to human beings. And the only way we can expand on that is other people's experiences and learning from their reading biographies, autobiographies, you know. And so that, so if you have messages and you have a message that you have, just realize that you're a messenger. and You need to get it out, which I appreciate you guys because this is my message and you're providing a, an output for me to get this message out mm. to the millions and millions of people that are going to be watching this podcast. You better believe it. <laughs> yes. Millions. Millions. We are growing. It's yeah. crazy. So, and it's well, a beautiful thank message. You, thank you. Yeah. yeah it's Kathy, not, what's it's not your... mine. It's one to believe me. Uh, if I don't say it, if I said it was mine and I thought of it, I'd look around for that two by four again. And, and uh, but it's not mine. Message. It's definitely coming from above. Yeah. It's, it's those, You're... these, these moments of, time that allow you to be able to hear, to really right. hear what's going on. And you were talking earlier about listening and hearing what the different generations have to say, you know, and um, I forget who it is, but it's the whole idea of hearing someone into being. It's sort of oh, by listening to what somebody says, you're hearing them into being and you acknowledge, thank you, I heard what you had to say. And so often the way we live today is all about What's he going to say so I can say something really, really good? Right. What's right. she going to say so I can say something really, really good and show you how smart I am? You know, as a coach, I'm still training out of me this idea, you know, who's the question for? When I'm asking a client a question, what is, is the question for them or is it for me? We spend a lot of time stripping ourselves out of that situation because it's important for our clients to be heard. You yes. know? 
Wow. And you know, and you sit there and you think, I had a, I had, I had this bracelet, a camouflage bracelet I always wear. I have a whole bunch of them, and I give them when I was speaking at colleges to the uh, students there. I'd always give them out, and it said SWL on it, and it which meant survivor, winner, leader. And I would go through this. Um, I'd go through these stories about being a survivor, not a victim, or being a a, a, a winner, not a la hoo 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 learner. Learner. Now there is no such thing as losers. We need to get that out of our definition. Any labeling of any human being whatsoever. We're all citizens of the planet Earth. Amen. We're Amen. All here. No one has Amen. any more right to walk on this planet than anyone else. You just happen to be a human being on this planet born in Nigeria. You're not a Nigerian, you know, or what. It's just got to get rid of labeling completely. Yep. And, that, and that's one of the messages that I want to get people out there. Mm-hmm. And But now I use SWL, and I'd say it's, it's silence while listening. And, and silence and listen both have the, have the same letters in them. Yes, they yes. do. And, and it's like, and it's kind of, and for me, I'm... This is, I would say, if you look at a, a listen meter talking, I, I'm listening. I'm way down here to zero, and and I'm I'm trying to get over here to here because I talk way more than, you know, that I should. Even now, I wonder what I'm doing, you know, because I'm I'm really questioning that and just learning to really listen and really know because I, every I was this morning I was realizing that when I tell people. Um, one of the things I'm trying to to view people is that every human being I see anywhere, I view them as they um, they want to be loved. They every single human being wants to be loved. So I ask you, Kathy, how would yeah. you feel if you knew that every single human being in the world loved you unconditionally for who you were? How would I that feel make fabulous. you feel? It would be it would be filling. It would be I would feel fulfilled. And, and, and that's what everybody really wants to strive for. And the other one is, every time I see anyone, it's like they're actually doing the best they can. Yes. Now, I get disagreement on this one because some people say, well, well, I know people that aren't doing the best they can. And it's like, how do you know they're not doing the best they can? You don't even really know who yep. they Well, I've seen them do that before, and they did it better than what they're doing now. But you don't know what's going on with them now. You don't know the story. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what just happened. A hundred percent. And I, I mentioned it uh, recently that even in the science of emotions, as they study emotions, there are no universal looks, except maybe disgust that people really always get. You have to ask somebody how they feel in order right. to understand how they feel. And I'm, I'm the same thing about the term, the other L word, lazy. That's an outcome. That is not that. People are not that. Nobody right. starts out that way. Everybody wants to have a purpose. They want to be seen. They want to be recognized. And the way they the way they're recognized might differ with different people. You know, um, that can change. We want to pay attention to that. It's just important for all. Those are the basics, and I, I think they're the basics of what we need as human beings to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so when I'm sitting here thinking of all the young people, I was sitting here thinking this morning, and I'm thinking, well, what about somebody who is really angry at you, and 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 you know, and they feel like they hate you and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they're really who they are. Because one of the things I try to let my grandchildren know is, you will always fail at what you do. 
that's okay. But you will never fail at who you are. And, and who you are is when people really don't who you are. When somebody sit there and they say they hate somebody, I'm thinking, how can, you don't hate somebody. You hate the perception of what, who you think they are. It's right. not who they are that you hate because they truly are, you know, loved by somebody that's, you know, and they're trying to be somebody else because they haven't feel like they accept that people accept who they really are. And we got to yep. let the young people, because see, I think these people come to earth now are so special with everything happening that they, when I watch um, an 18 month old grandchild sit there on their device and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, and how, how smart they are. And then when I sit there and just start listening to some of the things they, they say without any hesitation or worrying that they're going to be judged about something, it's so profound. And, and, I, and, it's, and I think with the older people, you know, when I said 40% of them are lonely because they really don't have in their mind anyone that depends on them anymore. And to realize that this other generation needs them really bad. And it's mm. such a broken connection. Mm. And um, so it's, and, and, and we see the results of that connection a lot. It's like, um, I know I shared with you, Elaine, my bridge story, but, and I, if that's something you're going to share with, but the, that we need to really fix the bridge instead of just rescuing the people. Mm. Yeah, Roland. Why don't you tell us the uh, the you know the short version of the bridge because it, it's a <laughs> okay. it is a profound story. Well, and I read it twenty years ago, and uh, but and it hit me one of those two by four things uh, just a few oh, months ago. But while they were standing on the riverbank, the townspeople were alerted by several people frantically screaming as they were being carried downstream of the raging river. They moved by their plight, the caring townspeople immediately rescued these people from the river. As time went on, more and more people were being swept down the river. Research revealed what everyone suspected. The bridge further up the river that was connecting the communities was badly damaged and only half the people were getting across. Well, as time went on, more and more people needed to be rescued. So the town committed more of their annual budget to fix this problem. They hired professional rescue workers. They built a riverside hospital, created rehabilitation programs, invented ever more sophisticated rescue devices, and trained more volunteers. Well, one day after several years of rescuing people from the river, one young man asked, hey, why don't we just fix the bridge? Well, the rescue workers were too busy to give any thought to this idea. Still others were sitting there thinking, I've never seen the bridge. And so they were afraid to venture from the familiar. Still, there were others that said, I don't know how to fix the bridge. And so the bodies kept on coming. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started realizing when I was looking into the, the suicide thing, is we have a lot of rescue workers out there, a lot of signs to look at when people are being floated down the river, you know, depression and all this. But no one's fixing the bridge. So I, I secured the URL, fixthebridge.com, and I even got my assistant to, I said, because we're still in this development stage, and 
Sure. And created Roland at fixthebridge.com. That would be my email because it's easier to spell fix the bridge than it is part of the Father Foundation. And <laughs> so, so my focus is fixing the bridge. And when I ask yeah. my age people, the boomers and stuff, a lot of them just, they're the ones that say, I don't know how to fix the bridge. They complain. Well, they don't, well, there's no way, there's no talking to them. They don't send me thank you cards anymore. They don't call me like I used to call my grandmother. And they, all these things that they're saying, I'm like, hey, listen, they're only on chapter one of their life. You're on chapter 20. Quit trying to compare your chapter 20 with their chapter one. They got a mission that's totally different from yours. Learn what that is and just listen. And instead of giving them fish or teaching them a fish, like the Chinese proverb, Go in and fish with them, but let them lead you. And I'll tell you what, I've been doing this for the last two or three years, and I just wish everyone could enjoy the feeling that I get when I'm actually fishing with one of my grandchildren and the looks on their face when I walk into a house and there's the five or six-year-olds are sitting on their iPads and phones, and they see Papa, and one of them gave me this one, <laughs> the man, the legend, Papa. And, and, <laughs> Great T-shirt. Yeah, and, and they see me, and they put down their phones, and they come over and hug me. Oh. And it's like, you can see the look in their eyes. It's like, you know, Grandpa, I'm, I really know that the world needs me. I am not afraid to go out and do the things I'm supposed to, because you know what? I know you have my back. And that's the kind of connection that we have to have, that they're not worrying about your judgment. Now, parents struggle with this connection because, you know, a lot of them, that's where the bridge is broken with them, is they're working, struggling to put food on the table, or they're single households, you know, women raising children by themselves, and, you know, without maybe a father figure there, and there's such a broken bridge there. And, um, you know, we see the results of that, of kids floating, you know, down the river. And and we realize we need um, the grandparents more than ever. And the other one is, is, is teachers. Um, Elaine shared with me the story that's very powerful about how effective her teacher was and pulled her out of the river. And the other one is peers, you know, and changing the school system, teaching. You know what? I think you brought a good point, Kathy, you know, thing about what we're teaching kids and what they're doing. Our kids are getting planted in their minds that he with the most toys wins. Mm. When we need to be t teaching them that he with the most connections win and teaching them, we got to change the school system and you know, instead of the three R's of, you know, subject to three R's, we need to have four R's of education, reading, writing, arithmetic, and connection. And and we need to really, really just focus when they're young to teach them how to connect. Absolutely. Anyway, get me going. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. And, this. you know, it is. It's replacing judgment with connection because judgment is a way of separation. Well, belief, opinion. I'm learning that opinions, listening to other people's one. opinions, take you further and further away from the truth. Mm -hmm. And then learning what the and for people to sit there and learn the truth. 
you know, just learn the truth instead of listening to opinions because it's not doing any good. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Yeah. Like in Dragnet. Yeah, I love Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, Kathy, I, when Roland was in my my class, I was I was teaching, you know, over Zoom, and Neil was, um, you know, on the other side of my studio, and when he heard Roland talk about his why, Neil got all choked up, and he is not like a verklempt kind of guy. He was like, that guy, that mission, oh my God, like, and I was just like, yeah, Roland, you have a, you have a special way of, um, like, I just want to give you my checkbook, you know, <laughs> and uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to, you know, put, help you get on bigger and bigger stages. And, um, and, you know, and Kathy just, it makes me think of the fun stories you've told about your family. And, um, you know, you always have such great, great, funny family stories. And I think of, you know, um, you've told me stories about your teachers. And anyway, do you want to add on to anything that Roland said about being curious rather than judgmental or well, that's share one of your super tips from coaching. That's my two by four is, <laughs> is really is replacing judgment with curiosity. That's you know, if you have to talk about getting hit over the head, that was a big one. And I remember early in my coach training, there was part of this book that we were reading and um, the, it was one of those stories where it's like a, an allegory or something. It's like, what mice ate my cheese or which peanut butter jar, I, you know, whatever those are. They're, they're adorable and I like them. They're actually very, my cheese <laughs> they're very instructive. Plus cheese would kill all of those critters anyway. Um, but the, if someone was asked to do this exercise, it was about keeping a judging journal. And I thought, that's a really good idea. I'll keep a judging journal. I made it maybe five minutes to get to the bus stop from my apartment in New York City and I realized there is no possible way because all I do is judge. And I realized that I had uh, really an unexamined narrative in my head, a constant, constant narrative that I never really looked at. And so at first I thought it's all judging. And then as I started to look at it, I realized, oh no, there are other things going on there. And so having the awareness to finally sort of say, well, what is going on there? Let's find out. And realizing what was criticism, what was judgment, then realizing, oh, there are other times when I have really good ideas, I started to be less reactive in my life. And I started to be mm. more curious, far less judgmental, um, because I started to realize, you know, nobody knows what went on with me or, you know, I'm getting on this bus or I'm getting on the train. Nobody knows what happened, you know, before I got here. And they're going to make a judgment just based on what they see, you know. Am I doing myself or anybody else favors by doing that? It was a huge awareness, and it changed my life. Wow. It makes me, it, it gets me emotional just thinking about that, you know, you going there, but it's also all these people out there that are going through the same thing and walking down and, and averting their eyes because they think they're being judged and stuff. And it's just like, hey, you're looking at them and said, I love you. It's <clears throat> maybe a... I have some remarkable times with, we were on, um, I traveled with my son's band <clears throat> across there and we were doing um, uh, Elvis, Elvis, uh, what's his, Elvis, 
the um the he was he's the DJ over there. He's like the um DJ in New York City for the West Coast for pop um Elvis Duran not Duran. Um maybe it was. Anyway, I'm trying to remember his name. I get him mixed up with Costello and all the other Elvis Presleys. But anyway, so we were there doing an interview at the radio station in New York with the band. Some of these guys have never been in New York City. And and I told him, I said, hey, guys, on this tour, the first I got $20 that I'm going to give to the first three people that ask for money, I'm going to give them $20. And um, I did that. I gave one. It was We were in Providence, Rhode Island doing a show. And we were downtown on the subway sitting there. And we come to a stop. And these Hispanic people came on with their instruments and were playing on the on the subway. You guys ever see that? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Oh. So, oh, yeah. Uh, which was really cool. And then they yep. have the handout, and, you know, and guys right. take their handout and and people put in coins and stuff. Well, I stuck the twenty dollar bill in, and he looked at it, and 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 the look on his eyes were. Uh, I mean, it's embedded in my mind. Ugh. But when he and then when they got done, and then when he walked out, he turned around and gave me that look again. Just like such the most grateful, loved look I've ever from a complete stranger. Right. Wow. And, and I'm sitting there, you know, and it's like uh, that was that was worth it. I wish I'd had a hundred dollar bill I could gift. You know, what I mean, just because you know, and it made it so much easier. I mean, you know, when you go through it, you realize that every single human being, no one has any more right to be here than anyone else. Mm-hmm. No one's better than you. Uh, right. One of the things I came up with, people are doing judging and making criti- criticizing people. And I said, do you know it's okay for a neurologist to not have a bachelor's degree in accounting? <laughs> <laughs> in other words, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you expect somebody to know everything just because they're a brain surgeon. But right. it's like, oh, but they're, you know, in accounting, they know nothing. Like, right. oh, you're stupid. Uh, but it's like, no, if we're learning, if that's what he wanted we're to learning. learn, we it's depend so we're great. all pieces of a puzzle. Oh, I'm going to make every one of my clients listen to this episode. I'm going to invite them to. Because, you know, I think so many times people want to share their message. They want to tell their stories. They want to get out there more. But they're so afraid of judgment. And a lot of times it's by ourselves. We're the harshest, harshest critics. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um well, I could go on and on, but I know we have to wrap up soon. But um, wow, Roland, thank you so much. So if people want to know more about getting involved, if you're a grandparent, if you know a grandparent, if you if you have kids or don't, but you want to get involved, how do they find you? What's the best way? Well, you know, I'm looking for bridge fixes, people who want to fix the bridge, taking their experiences and getting together as a group and sharing it. It's what we're trying to put together. So I do have a Facebook group called Heart of the Fathers Foundation Facebook group and joining that. And like we're just starting the creation of content and, you know, with Elaine's help, maybe doing some of my YouTube videos and and inviting, maybe doing a Zoom group meeting. And also for those who say, well, you know, I can't really get out and, and do that. It is a 501c3. So if people want to feel like they're helping, they can contribute financially, you know, and reach out to me. Um, I, so I'm using the email, Roland at 
R-O-L-A-N-D, at fixthebridge.com. And um, we just set that up. Awesome. <laughs> but, that, but that's that's mainly, you know, I'm on Facebook. You can message me on Facebook, Owen Thompson. Believe it or not, there's more than one of us. That's amazing. I moved Are in this you serious? I moved in this small community, and there were three Roland Thompson. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is one of one of them, which died, which wasn't me. But then, then thank I thank God. Yeah, because that the would be really weird. Was, I sat there and said, "I want to meet." Them. And a few years ago, I was doing seminars, and I made sure that they got a seminar invitation to this, just so I could meet them. You know, and I did. That's, and, uh, that's hilarious. Lot, lot but I think I'm the only surviving one now. Except my grandson, whose middle name is Roland Thompson. Michael, I don't think he'll go by Roland. I'll encourage him not to. But That's uh, hilarious. <laughs> Mike is a pretty okay. name. So, uh, heart, so Hearts of the Fathers. Foundation. Foundation yeah, Facebook on page. Facebook. Okay. Awesome. And Roland Thompson, the one who is alive. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. <laughs> and then... You know, Kathy Keegan, I, I just, she has coached me many times. If you guys, have, if you're new to us, I've bragged about her a lot. She has, she's an excellent coach. She's really great if you are in a job and you are struggling and you don't feel empowered and you might want to like shoot people or something, or if you're just like, I don't know if I can take it. Call Kathy because she will help you. Yeah. Or if you're like, I'm done, I need to leave, but I don't want to burn bridges, call Kathy. Or if you just want to just have an amazing chat, she's just an amazing human being, a fabulous coach, and an amazing speaker, I might add. So that's Kathy Keegan. Oh, Elaine. You can go find her at kathykeegan.com. That's with K's, K-A-T-H-Y. K e e g a n dot com, baby. You are so good. What did so you do to her? Did you do to her, Kathy? I don't know. I don't know. I, I it, like, and I, I'll send you the twenty dollar bill. But after this other story about the twenty dollar bill, I might have to raise that a little bit. You are yeah. the bomb. Thank you so much, Elaine, for that. And if you want to look better on camera, be better on camera. If you want to dig in deep to your story. Elaine is the person you want to talk to. She's the reason that I am able to get even deeper into the sort of whys of what I do. And I'm so grateful for her. You want to reach out to her at Elaine at Captivate the Crowd, All Seas. We did this on purpose from birth um, <laughs> so that so that it would be it wouldn't be confusing. Um, and we are so ever grateful for this group of listeners. And if you want to share it with friends, please do. We're just so grateful that you're here. And um, and Roland, just you dropped a lot of wisdom bombs. I'm going to have to listen mm. to this uh, several times. There's a lot of beautiful stuff there. And thank you so beautiful. much for joining us. Beautiful that, stuff. Uh, thank welcome. you so that, much. That was the quickest 15 minutes I've ever, <laughs> I've ever been by really fast. He's funny, too. Yes. So stay tuned, everybody. Watch out for Roland. Please share this. We want to grow our community, and we're going to have some really cool events coming up soon. And stay safe and healthy. And bye. So long, everybody. Bye, everybody. Yep. Yay. You made it to the end. Thank you so much for listening. We're so excited you were here. Feel free to reach out at stillhumanpodcast at gmail.com or Kathy at kathykeegan.com or Elaine at captivatethecrowd.com. See you next time.